0: Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. Thanks for listening to the Art of Money podcast, artofmoneyradio.com for more information or to schedule that initial consultation. Appreciate you subscribing. Now let's get to the show. In-house CPA joining us now. Mark Bernard, how you doing this weekend? I'm doing good, Mark. Thank you. We're going to talk about some deferred tax strategies here in just a couple of seconds. But Mark, I'm glad we have you here, because now that you know Labor Day is behind us, we're kind of unofficially into the fall, even though it's still hot. We're getting ready for the holidays. End of the year is going to be here before you know it. Is there anything that we can do? Can you give us some advice or some tips what we should be doing right now to prepare for the holidays, to prepare for the end of the year as far as our tax strategy goes?
1: So we're meeting with all of our financial planning clients. We're doing what we call mid-year tax review. What I do during these reviews is we go ahead and we look and say, all right, what's your 2023 tax return? What are we projecting that to look like? So that I can kind of predict what bracket you fall in, what kind of income you're gonna earn, what kind of taxes you're gonna pay, how much have you been withholding, so that you can be ready for whatever the news is come April 2024. But the biggest reason why we do all this is Roth conversions, Mark Owens.
0: Tell me a little bit about the power of a Roth conversion, because I don't think a lot of people, is there, you know, they're working, they've got a 401k, they're thinking about a Roth, they don't understand that that can really benefit a plan.
1: You know, there's a lot of different layers to that, but the main reason is uh, President Trump's tax cuts. Um, you know, we basically do a lot of modeling here when we look at people's income and what they're going to earn during the retirement years after 2025. And what we've pretty much consistently came up with if you earn $100,000 today uh, and you earn $100,000 after the Trump tax cut sunset, you're paying 30% more taxes. True.
0: That's just the importance of having that tax strategy now. And Mark Bernard works with the team at the McPherson Financial Group. And give the team a call. Let's take a look at that tax strategy. If you've saved at least 500000 for your retirement, that initial consultation, including the conversation with Mark Bernard, is no cost, no obligation. 321-425-8550. Artofmoneyradio.com. Just the importance of having that tax strategy before those Trump tax cuts sunset. All right, let's have a little conversation about some deferred tax strategies. Mark Bernard, what you got? So deferred tax
1: strategies, what does that mean? It means our goal here at McPherson Financial Group is to pay as little tax as late as possible, legally, of course. And there are a couple strategies out there that allow you to make a transaction, to make a sale where you do not have to recognize the gain in the year of the sale. So that is why we're able to defer it going forward. And the first one I'd like to refer to is a 1031 transaction, otherwise known as a like-kind exchange. Now, those transactions are really kind of pinpointed towards real estate transactions. So if you own real estate, let's say you're an investor in real estate, you're a landlord, or you have some REITs and things to that nature, you're able to use a like-kind exchange to get out of your current situation, a property that you might be in, to be able to get into a new real estate property, the gain that should be recognized from the sale of the original holdings is deferred because you met the the, the requirements of a 1031 exchange.
2: All right, let me make this in layman's terms, Mark. So if somebody bought a, a house for 250,000 and now it's worth a million and they do that exchange you're talking about, that 750,000 that would normally be gain gets to go roll into the new project?
1: correct and so you're in under your example art there's a $250,000 basis you have $750,000 of built in gain on that property if you were to meet the qualifications of a 1031 like kind exchange all you do is you roll your basis of 250 into your new purchase you don't recognize any gain at that moment and you can move on doing business as usual Now, the other thing that's really nice is you could do this multiple times. This isn't limited to one time or even one time a year. You can keep doing this. And then the really nice thing is if you, well, I don't know if this is nice, but if you pass away with that property that you've been doing 1031 exchanges for, when it goes to your heirs, you get a step-up basis in that property, and all that gain that you've been kicking the can down, deferring down the line gets taken away because when you pass, Your heirs take your property at fair market value, therefore creating no gain. All right, so
2: if I've done this five times, and let's say every time I've done this, I've got a new basis point, right? Because every time I'm buying a new property, it's going to be more expensive. So my basis has gone up some. But by the time I'm done, maybe I've done a million dollars worth of my own money into projects, uh, but now it's worth $5 million. So at that point, um, if I'm 85 or 90 years old and I pass away, my kids and grandkids
1: can actually get that 5000000 million tax-free. Yeah, so your kids would inherit that $5 million property, which is the fair market value of the property when you pass away. They get a basis in that of $5 million. So if they were to sell that the next week, there would be no gain triggered. And all of your 1031 transactions, that's deferred all of those gains all throughout those years. You never end up paying tax on it. So what is the requirement of a 1031 exchange? So there are very strict rules. So that's something that, you know, if you go down this road, you need to. But in, um, you know, the simplest terms, first off, when you make the transaction to sell your original property, you need what's called a qualified intermediary. So you cannot take possession of the proceeds from the sale of that property. It needs to go to like essentially the same thing as a trustee, a qualified intermediary that's holding it in escrow. You have to do that. Within 45 days of that transaction, you have to have another property that you want to reinvest those proceeds into. Um, As long as you meet that step, the next step is, is that you have to close on that property within 180 days from the sale of the original property. So this has to be something you've kind of
2: organized. You know what you want to buy. You know what you want to sell. But before you pull the trigger on any of this, if I go to my closing... And that closing agent sends me a check or wires me funds to my bank account. It's done. I can no longer do this. Came over. OK.
0: 321-425-8550 to reach out to R McPherson, Mark Bernard and the team at the McPherson Financial Group. It sounds like something that could benefit your situation. And Mark, this is something that, you know, we're really talking to people who have a big property, a big piece of real estate that they have that they want to try to save some tax dollars on this. This isn't for, you know, the small tax challenges that we have.
1: Correct. 1031 is expensive. So it has to be worth doing a like kind exchange to move those capital gains down to save on those taxes so that you can reinvest all that money, but they don't come free. So they are expensive. And the next one that we're going to talk about a deferred sales trust, same thing. They're expensive. So there has to be a lot of capital gains that's built in.
0: All right. So let's talk about that. A deferred sales trust. How does that work?
1: So a deferred sales trust doesn't have to be limited to real estate, although it can include real estate. Additionally, you do not need to have a qualified intermediary. But what you do need is a trust, a third-party irrevocable trust that's considered independent of yourself. Even though you're managing it, you're directing it, it needs to be operated as if it's a third-party person that you're transacting with.
2: So you need a trustee. You need somebody else involved besides you. It can't just be an arm's length transaction.
1: It has to be an arm's length transaction, yes. And for that to happen, you have to have two independent parties. That's where the irrevocable trust comes in. And what happens is, is this irrevocable trust buys whatever property it could be stock, like public stock that you've been buying through your employee stock option program, where you have a huge amount of built-in gain because you've been buying it so cheap over the last 25 years. And what happens is the trust gives you a note. It's called a 453 installment note. And that note says, we're going to pay you a certain amount every year for your public stock. Okay, Mark? And what happens is is that transaction is considered a third-party transaction. However, because we're using this installment note, we're able to defer the capital gains that should otherwise be triggered. So we have
2: a lot of clients, Mark. That come from aerospace, right? So we have people like Lockheed, Grumman, things like that. And they get stock a lot of times given to them. You know, So there really is no basis. So if they've got a couple million dollars in stock that they have a zero basis with, would this work in that scenario?
1: Yeah. So what happens is if we get this structured correctly, the gain, let's say it's all gain. You have $2 million of, of Northrop Grumman stock and you sell it and you have very little basis. So if you didn't do this um, this deferral structure that $2 million would then be subject to 23.8% capital gains tax. And then it gets added on as other income for the year, correct? Correct. But by avoiding that, so 23.8 on $2 is roughly $500,000 of capital gains. So instead of paying that $500,000 of capital gains to the IRS, you get to keep that in the trust, invest it, get returns on that. That creates income that you can distribute to you over the years. So in your scenario,
2: I have two million dollars of stock instead of I can sell it so I can diversify it because I'm nervous. I want to retire. I want to be able to take retirement income instead of having to pay that tax when I normally would have to to sell a stock. I can keep all of that money, that full two million in the deferred sales trust don't have to pay the tax
1: at that time, and defer that, how long can I defer it? It can actually be indefinitely, depending on how that installment note is written. So we can even go through your next legacy place. So that can go on for through your through your children and your children's children, if it's structured correctly. So it can be indefinitely deferred. All right. What about somebody who's selling
2: their business? So I've got clients all the time here in Brevard and in Indian River County um, that have been working in our area for 20 years, 30 years, they want to sell their business.
1: Same same thing, Art. So these folks can take advantage of this deferred sales trust as a structure that they can sell when they have low basis, which would create a bunch of capital gains that instead of paying the IRS, you can go ahead and put that in the trust and that deferral, let's say 500,000 in our previous example, is now earning income for you that you can pull out of for the rest of your life.
2: So let's use an example. Somebody's going to sell his business for $5 million. And um, normally he'd have all that capital gains that have to be paid you know, on the business sale. That extra million or more is sitting there for, let's just say, 10 years growing. So he literally can get growth off the taxes he would have had to pay.
1: Yeah, so what's 5% on a million? Is that 50000 a year? Yep. So by not paying the government that million dollars in taxes, you can sit there and invest it that million will create an additional annuity or, or income stream of $50,000 a year until you request more money out of that trust. That creates the trigger of that capital gains. You bring up a good point. Um, so I've taken this 5000000 million.
2: I've been able to defer it, didn't have to pay the tax up front. Suppose I want 500000 a year. How is that treated tax-wise?
1: It depends on how much income is generated from the investments in the trust. So if you're you, you put five million in the trust. It earns, let's say, $200,000 during the year and you pull 500. Well, the 200,000 comes out as income on top of what you had put as principal into the trust. Okay. That 300,000 that takes you under the five million of principal that you originally put in the trust, that will, that will capture a percentage of capital gains at that point.
2: So you'd have a kind of a dual taxation on it. Yeah. However, if there was no growth, and I put that five million in and then I want 250,000 a year out. I can get it. And then that's when I have to pay the tax and the
1: capital gains on that portion. Correct. That pro rata portion that would be, um, there would be a, a pro rata formula that we would say for everything you take out of principal out of that five million above and beyond the income earned in the trust, that would be subject to capital gains tax at that point, but it's still a deferral. So you're still kicking the can down the road, which is important when I talk about my, Planning idea of paying as little as possible, as late as possible. So you're not paying any more tax in that situation. You're just paying it maybe a year or two later.
2: Right. And then I get the benefit from a financial planning guy. I always love the fact that if we can defer that, then my clients are actually able to grow and make interest off the tax that they would have had to pay.
0: That's the idea. So what you're saying, Mark, is as little tax as possible, as late as possible. And of course, all legal.
1: As long as it's according to the code that's been uh, uh, assigned by the IRS and Congress.
0: three two one four two five eight five five zero. So what does your tax strategy look like? If you heard something from Mark Bernard this weekend that kind of piqued your interest, give the team a call. Let's sit down. Let's have that conversation. So if you've saved at least 500000 for your retirement and just curious about your tax strategy, maybe you have some property, want to know more about deferred tax strategies, sit down, have a conversation with Mark Bernard, Art McPherson, and the team at the McPherson Finance Group. It costs you nothing. 321-425-8550, artofmoneyradio.com. Mark Bernard, do you ever get any time off? Oh, yeah. He Art, gets Art's a bunch very, of time. Yeah, Art's <laughs> very generous to me. Mark, thanks for joining us this week, and have a great rest of the weekend. Talk to you later, Mark. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com.